this both the fiction and the poetry for me have been a way to to figure out how to um, just to how how to live joyfully through um, through grief. So there's there's a beautiful line of poetry by um, one of my favorite writers. His name is Wendell Berry, and he says, "Be joyful, though you know all the facts." And I feel like that has been what I've been trying to do just in my own life, but the, both the fiction and the poetry have been a way for me to begin to, to figure out how do we do that, both as Orthodox Christians and just as citizens of the world. Um, we live in what are, for a lot of people, maybe for all of us soon, really difficult times. And how do we live joyfully? What does it mean to live in the resurrection um, with all the suffering that surrounds us? This week, we're wrapping up our summer reading series with a book that asks tough questions of faith and suffering through the fictional story of The Lightkeeper. The author, Sherry Shenouda, joins Father Anthony to discuss how she's using her poetry and writing to fulfill her own mission and how creative writing can be a tool for both strengthening and sharing our Orthodox faith. Today's featured resources include our volunteer program guide and onboarding process, helping volunteers identify their unique talents and gifts. You can download both for free right now at stsaministries.org. Welcome back to the Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World podcast. I'm Father Anthony, and we're here wrapping up our summer reading series on this podcast, and we have a special episode today, first of its kind. You'll see what I mean in a second. As we've mentioned over and over again, part of bringing an ancient faith to a modern world is understanding more about ourselves, our faith, our church, and the world that we live in. And I, you guys know me, I've always believed that books are a great way to learn more about anything, because I always believe that there's a certain number of people that I can relate with in life and I can interact with, but I can be mentored by so many more by reading their books and giving them a chance to disciple me kind of that way. And also for your sake as listeners, it gives us a chance to introduce to you people and topics that you may not know about otherwise. So We've interviewed several authors with a variety of passions on different subjects. This week, there's something unique, as I said, that I will reveal to you in a second. But before we get to the book, as you can see, I'm joined by a guest today. And our guest today is Ms. Sherry Shenouda. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. So for those who don't know, Sherry is an award-winning poet and a pediatrician. Okay, you don't always hear that combination together, poet and pediatrician. So she's in the arts and the sciences. Uh, born in Cairo, but living in California. Um, and she lives with her husband and two sons um, and recently published her first work of fiction. Isn't that right, Sherry? That's all right. <laughs> Good, so my, my notes are correct so far. The, the book is called The Lightkeeper and it's a novel that has been described to me as a cross between faith, romance, and grief. So that's quite a uh, a combination there, Sherry. So maybe you can start us off here by tell us how you came to this idea and what motivated you to write your first novel. Okay. Um, and again, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, the novel came together as a way for me to kind of deal with um, my experiences throughout pediatric residency, actually, um, and to just sort of sort through some of the the grief that I was seeing, um, and also a way for me to think about 
uncertainty and um, and how it relates to our faith and our lives. And um, I, so the characters kind of came to me in a dream initially and um, that just the opening scene, um, which is not giving anything away to say that it's the scene of a woman burying a man. And I didn't know who the characters were. I didn't know where the story was going to go. That was it. Um, and so I wrote that down, got up in the middle of the night, wrote it down. And, um, and then the characters stayed with me for a while and they wouldn't go away. Um, and then they sort of told their own story, which was really interesting for me as an, as a writer. Usually my writing is very like technical, like pediatric journals. Um, so this was really different and it was an act of faith to kind of follow this fictionalized tale and see where the characters wanted to go. They did a couple of things that surprised me and um, yeah. And it started there. It's also the beginning of my conversation with God about suffering and why it's allowed to exist in the world. And, um, and also away from the process, what it means to help someone. A lot of people going into medical school will say something like, I really want to help people. Um, and, what that means. Like, what does it mean to be anonymously helpful to other people? Can we help people if we don't know them? Um, so those are some of the questions I wanted to, to begin to answer. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it sounds to me um, that, you know, whatever it is that you experienced as a pediatrician um, really has, has affected you in, in, in your life and it led to your writing. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that and what is it in your experience as a pediatrician that, um, you know, kind of informed your writing um, and your poetry? Um, so, yeah, so, so through pediatric residency, um, I experienced other people's trauma. And um, this, both the fiction and the poetry for me have been a way to, to figure out how to, um, just to how how to live joyfully through um, through grief. So there's there's a beautiful line of poetry by uh, one of my favorite writers. His name is Wendell Berry, and he says, "Be joyful, though you know all the facts." And I feel like that has been what I've been trying to do just in my own life, but. The, both the fiction and the poetry have been a way for me to begin to, to figure out how do we do that, both as Orthodox Christians and just as citizens of the world. Um, we live in what are, for a lot of people, maybe for all of us soon, really difficult times. And how do we live joyfully? What does it mean to live in the resurrection um, with all the suffering that surrounds us? Perfectly fitting the time that we live in right now to talk about this because um, whenever you're listening to this, okay, if you ever listen to this in the future, we're writing, we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic that's been going for more than a year. And I'm sure in your line of work, you've seen um, a lot of people affected by that. Um, you know, as you were talking right there, I just was jotting down um, some some Bible verses that came to my mind, which is 100% aligned with what you're saying, which is one of my favorite Psalms when it says that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And that was like, one of the first psalms that um, that I ever like memorized. Um, someone gave it to me when I when I needed it. So that's what you're saying is perfectly in line with the teachings of what we've always believed, which is that 
in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer to overcome the world. So the two are not ne ne uh, negating to one another. So tell me this idea, um, like the whole idea of like art and poetry, it doesn't fit like your typical uh, view of like what we think about in the Orthodox Church, especially in the Coptic Church. So how have you found uh, those two meshing together? Oh, that's a really good question. It's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one for me to answer for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because there there is not a lot of there's not a lot of precedents right now. There have been in the past, but where is the Flannery O'Connor of our generation? Um, where is the Dostoevsky? You know, those are those are Christian writers writing during those time periods and they were writing fiction. They were not writing, you know, they were not writing manuals. They were not writing nonfiction. Um, so it's, it's a difficult question. There are some, there's Eugene Budalovskin who wrote Loris, who's being called the Dostoevsky of this generation. Um, there, are, there are other fantasy uh, fiction writers like Nicholas Kotar, who's Orthodox, um, deacon in the Orthodox church. Um, but they're not a lot. Uh, <laughs> But the way that I think of it, I think of Matthew, I think it's 13, 34, where it says, and Jesus spoke to the multitude, I'm paraphrasing, um, in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them. Mm -hmm. so there's, I think there's a reason, I think about this a lot, why Christ chose to speak in parables, um, stories, essentially. Like, we don't know, we don't know how much of the parables were historic, um, there, there may not have been one father in time and one prodigal son. Um, there might have been. I don't know. I don't know if we have a definite answer to that, but it's possible that that, that was a story. And he was, you know, he was giving them a vehicle to understand the love of the father and what it means to repent um, and to return. And that was the best way for people to understand it. So I, I think, my, in my understanding, fiction poetry can convey and can carry the weight of so much truth in a way that's really accessible to people. Um, at least it is for me. And, you know, I wish there were more, I wish there were more Orthodox writers because I think, or, or Orthodox writers publishing, because I think people are writing and maybe not publishing, um, but that, that there was a way for us to express um, the love of God and truth and beauty through fiction, because I think it would give people that are coming into the church or seeking truth in a world that um, desperately needs truth, a way that's accessible into the Orthodox Church. I'm going to, to to pause right here, okay, and 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 just kind of highlight something that you said, which I loved so 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 much. When you talked about parables, which for our viewers, parables are fiction. Okay, so in case you're wondering, like, no, parable, Jesus spoke in fiction. But I've always believed that the reason why Jesus spoke in parables is because I, if I tell you, you know, God loves you, okay, that's a non-fictional statement. And okay, but if I tell you God's love for you is like a father who lost his son, it's it's infinite. Okay, there's in like you can take the parables. Like, for example, when we read the, the parable of the four types of soil, you can take a parable like that and you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper versus love your enemies. OK, is good. But when you 
there's infinite amount of depth, okay, when you go into the parables. And I believe the same thing about your work, okay, with the fiction versus nonfiction. So more power to you. Keep up the good work. And I'm going to go off script right here, something which um, Sherry, uh, you know, we were kind of chatting beforehand and she was saying she's an introvert, so she likes when the questions are up front, but I like to throw things off every now and then. So I'm going to go off script. You, You mentioned a lot of people are writing, but not publishing. So what if someone out there is listening to this and they, you know, have something in their heart or a thought, but they don't know what to do or where to go? Well, what advice would you give to the person who maybe is writing, but not publishing? I decided to to publish because I felt like maybe this story could speak to other people. Um, I'm, I'm working. So I, I, I still, I'm in clinic two days a week and um, I'm about to start schooling my first at home three days a week. Uh, he's five right now. Um, so we're doing the best we can. My husband works full time. And if you're out there and you are creating, I just want to encourage you that whether you decide to publish or not, the act of creation itself, I think, is um, it's our birthright. God, our, our, our creator, created. And uh, so there's precedence for, for creating. So keep creating, whether it's visual art or poetry or, you know, novels, if you're working on mm-hmm. fiction. Um, and if you're looking to, to break into to, to publishing specifically, if I understood the question, um, there, are, there are publishers that take unscripted manuscripts and Ancient Faith was one of them. They, they're the ones that published my novel. Um, so there, there, there are still avenues available for traditional publishing that don't require an agent. So it's not like the four to five extra years it would take to get an agent and then go through a big publishing firm. Um, but there are a lot of options out there from self-publication to um, small traditional presses to, you know, the big five um, but but try it and don't be afraid to fail because the the lightkeeper is actually my third novel. Um, said that elsewhere, but just to reiterate, like there are two that will never see the light of day, but are out there um, in, in my drawer, <laughs> not out there. Um, but it doesn't matter um, if the first one is not good. Just the act of creation, I think, is really helpful, and it's taught me so much about what I what I was thinking. I didn't know a lot of what I thought until I wrote it down. Um, I think a lot of people understand what they're thinking that way. So, please write, please create, please make music. Um, there is an audience for it. I promise. If a pediatrician can write about a time traveler, um, there's an audience for your work. I'll I'll second the motion and say if a priest who was getting C's in English could write a, a book, <laughs> okay, then I, I love what you said. I love what you said. Don't be afraid to fail, okay? Sherry said, don't be afraid to fail. And she said, "There's log- don't worry about the logistics is what I want to say. The logistics can solve themselves. Don't be afraid to fail. And don't be afraid to be different is what I want to say because that's how we all learn from each other. And that's what I said in the beginning is that like, I can learn from my priest who's giving me a sermon, okay? But then there's others I want to learn from, but by reading their books, I can learn from them. And I want to learn from this person, okay, Sherry, who lives across the world that we just met a few minutes ago here on Zoom and found out we know some people in common. I can learn from her by reading her books. So I, I just, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And that actually gets us to our next question. And something that we talk about at STSA a lot 
and I think you're going to agree with me, is that we don't all look the same, but that's okay. Is that God has gifted each one of us. It's like our our, our fingerprint, okay? It's, the, it's unique, and our talents are unique, and our gifts are unique. And I personally have felt for a long time the church has been missing this point in terms of we kind of look for everyone to kind of, we try to get everyone to kind of look a certain way. And I think when we expand our view and say that maybe, you know, maybe that person who is unique or that person who is different, maybe they have something to offer as well. I think that's when the body of Christ really can do some damage in this world in a positive way. So our faith, our, our mission is bringing an ancient faith to a modern world. Okay. And part of that is each one finding their unique talents and their unique voice. So tell us, tell us, how have you found your writing to be part of your unique mission in this world? Um, yeah, so it doesn't, I, I don't think it needs to be for everyone. Again, to to encourage creators out there who are maybe not sure um, if, if, if their work has an audience. It doesn't have to be for everyone, but for the people that it is for, um, I think it's just a path a path that shows beauty. Um, and that's, for me, that's, that's my mission across all the multiple domains of my life. Um, in my marriage, um, at work as a doctor, at home with my kids, um, and through the writing, it's just to bring a little bit of like, a little bit of serenity, a little bit of peace, um, and just the love of God in, in the form of beauty um, to the, to my friendships and to the people around me um, and to, to sort of deal with uncertainty because I think in the, in the modern world, there's so much that's uncertain um, during the pandemic um, where there's a lot of economic uncertainty. There's housing uncertainty here in California where I live. There's a lot of their disparities um, and I think uncertainty generally, um, anxiety for a lot of people. Um, it is just this. This has been a way for me to to deal with um, just just figuring out how I can provide a little bit of beauty in an uncertain world. So I don't know if I answered your question directly, but but that that's sort of how I think of it. Um, my own personal mission. So just going back to the novel for one second. Um, so it, there, there's a there's a picture of a marriage in in the novel. It could have been friendship. I just wanted to depict love, um, and in that in the story, um, it's hard to talk about without spoilers. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> fiction generally, I feel like it's hard to talk about without spoilers. But in in the novel, um, it, it, using this portrait of a marriage, I wanted to deal with uncertainty, and in my own marriage when. Um, when we confront each other with disagreements um, in the light of the fact that one of us is going to bury the other, that's certain. All of the other stuff becomes really small in comparison. So that's one way for me, I think, um, to deal with uncertainty and to project like peace and calm um, through, through the fiction, but also generally in my life. Mm. It's, it's beautiful. And what I wrote down right here is, it's your way of showing beauty and revealing beauty as you're writing. And what I wrote down next to that is showing beauty equals showing Jesus. 
because there's no there's no good or beautiful without him and just like there's no truth without him so when we discover when a scientist discovers you and your pediatrician life when a scientist discovers truth he's discovering christ he's revealing christ to the world because christ is the source of all truth and same with beauty so whether it's arts or sciences um in the end it's all pointing back to him so i i, I love that um and it's clear from you know the 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 little you've told us about the book and we're trying not to do the spoiler alert but it's it's clear that you're not afraid to delve into some some hard topics okay like you just said uh marriage and you talk about burying one's gonna bury the other so i mean um it's it's clear you're you're not afraid to to delve into these topics and adversity and um i guess without giving away too much of the book okay just kind of teasing it how can the journey that you wrote about of the light keeper be an example to us as we navigate through the difficulties and uncertainties of this life, um, especially through the lens of our ancient faith. Um, so without spoilers, <laughs> uh, one, one scene that took me by surprise that I think might kind of help answer that question. Um, the main character, the light keeper confronts um, the character of wisdom who's based on the Syrian fraction. So she's a type of Christ. Um, and this scene came out of nowhere for me. And then I wrote it and I was like, I don't know if I can write this. Is this okay? And then, and then it just, it unfolded from there. But um, she, she comes, essentially she comes at God with her really difficult questions, with her anger, her frustration um, about suffering specifically the suffering that she's seen in her life and in her work. And um, it comes out in a really physical way. And um, I would just, I would just say that I think when people potentially leave the church, it's not because they don't care um, for a lot of people. I think, I think it's because they care a whole lot um, and that it's okay to come at God with, our hard questions, our frustrations, and especially our hurts, um, because he's big enough, um, and he and he really sees. Like even when no one sees, um, I'm a mom of two little ones. There's a lot in my day that nobody sees, you know, except God. Um, the seventeenth time my kid has upturned a basket of toys, and it feels futile sometimes, right? When you're mothering little ones, um, or or at work. You know, and I'm counseling a patient that I just, I have a feeling is not going to listen to anything I've said. Um, there, there's a lot that we do that feels futile um, and God sees. And it's okay to come at God with the hurts, big and the small. Um, and don't go, stay and engage. Yes. And as a father, okay, we all talk about God as our father. Yet if my kid is hurting, even if I'm the cause of the hurt, or they think, yeah, I want them to come to me. And as you're saying, is that is that, you know, sometimes we maybe we were taught or maybe I don't know where we picked it up, but like, you know, you go to God and you just kind of present, you know, when things are all together, like, okay, God, I did this and I did this and I did this. And, and you kind of hide the real um what's going on inside. And I, as a father, that's not what I want. And for sure, that's not what God wants. You know, again, in the 
the verse that come to my mind is casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So that if that's not a, enough of a reason for you, the listeners to go out and, and get the book, I don't know what is okay, talking about um, kind of getting into these uh, adversities and, and, and bringing them to God. Um, so we really appreciate you sharing that. Now, Sherry, I got one more question I'm going to ask you. Okay, this has been fantastic. We're not going to let you go without asking one more question, which is I'm asking all those who have written books, tell us about one book that you are reading so that, again, we can learn not just from your book, but we can learn from what you are learning from as well. Okay. Um, I have a leaning, tottering stack. of <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad habit. I read like five or six books at a time. It's really low on my list of habits to break, though, so I'm not worried about it. Um, but one I just read with my son, this is a kid's book recommendation that I really loved, um, is, is not a Christian book. It's called Miss Rumpheus. Um, the dedication is to St. Nicholas, though. There's a little icon of him in the dedication. And it's just a really beautiful example of how, through fiction, you can convey um, a really simple, beautiful truth. So the, the, the girl is sitting on her grandfather's knee at the beginning of the book, and he tells her, there are three things you have to do in your life. One is to travel and see the world. One is to live by the ocean. And the third is to make the world more beautiful. And she doesn't know how to do that at the beginning of the book. And then throughout the book, she figures out how she's going to, I don't want to spoil it, <laughs> how she's going to make the world more beautiful. And my son, by the end of the book, he doesn't read yet, but he was listening with rapt attention. And by the end, he really got it. So um, that's one I would recommend that I just finished right in the last couple of days. Okay, tell us the name again. Miss Rumphius, R-U-M-P-H-I-U-S. Miss space Rumphius. Rumphius. Yes. Okay, I'm going to have to look it up. My, my kids are probably a little bit older than that, but I'm always looking for a good recommendation. So thank you for sharing. Sure. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation, Sherry. We really, really appreciate it. Tell our audience one more time, um, name of your book, where they can get themselves a copy, any information that you can share about your book. Sure. It's called The Lightkeeper. Um, it's available through Ancient Faith. So ancientfaith.store, I think, .com um, or on Amazon. It's on Amazon uh, paperback and Kindle. Um, and if you want to come say hi, I'm at sherryshenuda.com <laughs> without a U. Um, and I'm also at Sherry Shenuda Writes on all the social media. So that's Sherry with two R's, S-H-E-R-R-Y. Yes. Shenuda, S-H-E-N-O-D-A. Is that right? Yes. Okay, great. Gotcha. Just want to make sure because Sherry and Shenuda, you can go lots of different ways with those. So. There are a bunch of us out there. <laughs> well, Sherry, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing about your book. We really, really appreciate it. And we wish you all the best. And the same way you encouraged us, don't be afraid to fail. You don't be afraid. You keep doing what you're doing and keep encouraging others to do it. Um, we really, really appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening and joining us here today for this episode of our summer reading series. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World. Thanks, everyone. To listen to previous episodes or access all of our free resources, join the community at stsaministries.org.